This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger. Today's episode features audio from YVR Screen Scene for India, a star-studded fundraiser for Indian COVID relief that was broadcast live on May 8th. YVR Screen Scene for India featured yours truly in conversation with some of Vancouver's finest South Asian Canadian stars, including Agam Darshi, Durendra, Praneet Akila, Rekha Sharma, Sachin Sahil, and Sandy Sidhu. That afternoon, we raised more than eight thousand dollars for three charities providing disaster relief in India, Goonj, Doctors Without Borders, and Kalsa Aid International. For me, the event was a buoy during a dark time. Like many in the diaspora, I was racked with worry as I watched news reports from India about overworked crematoriums and hospitals running out of ventilators. I'd pitched the event as a kind of inside the actor's studio, but with a South Asian twist. And like Inside the Actor's Studio, Yvair's screen scene for India was funny at times and emotional at times and always driven forward with joyful purpose. According to the BBC, daily new cases in India have fallen to just over 40,000 in recent weeks, down from the peaks of 400,000 in May. But even as cases are declining, experts worry India could be at the risk of a potential third wave of infections as just over 6% of the eligible population has been fully vaccinated and only around 22% have received at least one dose. All that is to say that while YVR Screen Scene for India is behind us, India still needs our help. I've included links to Goonj, Doctors Without Borders, and Kalsa Aid International in our footnotes. Every penny helps. Thank you. And now, I give you YVR Screen Scene for India. Welcome to YVR Screen Scene for India. I am your host, Sabrina Rani Firminger, and I am humbled to greet you from the traditional and unsuited territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. This afternoon, or depending on where you are in the world, this evening or this morning, we gather here in this global Zoom room for the people of India for whom the last few weeks have been, in a word, devastating. There is an abundance of needless suffering and not much else. All of the panelists and myself are part of the Indian diaspora, or diaspora, we were kind of trying to figure out the pronunciation. I'm gonna go with diaspora. Diaspora literally means to scatter, like petals or leaves in the wind. 
And although we are all scattered around the world, our thoughts and hearts are with the people who currently need it most. So let me explain what we're going to experience this afternoon, this evening, this morning, wherever you are. Why we are screen scene for India. It's South Asian Canadian actors working in the Vancouver film and television scene, lifting their voices up to share stories, to reflect, to laugh, and maybe cry. I mean, I'm guessing that there's gonna be some tears. I've been crying all week. Just over a week ago, when I was first struck for the idea with this event and started texting everyone who was here today, I described the event as joyful with purpose. The joy is in the magical conversation we are about to behold and in all the support everybody who is here, who is watching has shown us today. Um, the purpose is in why we are here, to support Gunj, Doctors Without Borders and Khalsa Aid International, all of whom are on the ground in India right now, providing disaster relief and saving lives. In just over one week, we've raised more than $7,000 and every single penny, every penny is going to alleviate needless suffering. Every penny. Thank you for sharing in our joyful purpose. Now, I am humbled and honored and delighted and an abundance of other adjectives to introduce our panelists for today. I'm going to list them alphabetically by first name, but honestly, I wish I could say all their names simultaneously because they all deserve top and equal billing. Agam Darshi, an actress beloved for Sanctuary and Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency and Deepa Mehta's funny boy, she played Radha Anti, who just wrapped filming on her feature film directorial debut, Donkey Head. We have Durendra, a veteran actor whose work includes voice and on-camera roles in Da Vinci's Inquest, The Bill, Nina's World, and a Simon Masrani in Lego Jurassic World, Legend of Isla Nublar. We have Praneet Akila, an up-and-coming actor who can currently be seen as Gil Bobsey, one of the iconic Bobsey twins in Nancy Drew as well as the brilliant Crazy Eights film Mom vs. Machine a sci-fi short that was inspired by the time he gave his mother an automatic roti maker, and she did not like it. She did not like it one bit. Happy also to welcome Rekha Sharma, a dynamo of an actress and human being who has portrayed fan favorite roles on beloved shows like Star Trek Discovery and Battlestar Galactica. We have Sachin Sahil, a passionate human who gained an international following for his work as Dr. Eric Jackson on The 100. And we have dear Sandy Sidhu, who has a leading role as Nazneen Khan in the medical television drama, Nurses. These are actors who have played characters who have shown us that South Asians contain multitudes, that we can be freedom fighters and ne'er-do-wells, doctors and thieves, healers and schemers, queer, passionate, flawed, funny, and in Rekha's case, Cylons. You can all unmute yourselves now. You can all unmute yourselves. Hey! <laughs> Yay! Whoa, 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 whoa. Before, before we continue, I'm so sorry, I have to stop everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, let me please introduce Sabrina Furminger, 
Okay. Yes. yes. Sabrina Furminger has put this whole thing together, and this is not the only thing she does. Continue in this industry. This is Sabrina. It, no matter what the topic, no matter what the issue, no matter what it calls for, she puts her everything into it and makes the world a better place and asks nothing from anybody for it. This is the type of human that she is, and she does this and will continue to do this, and we are all extremely grateful for you because because of you, this is happening, because of all this happens, and because things will continue to happen. Thank you, Sabrina Furminger, for this. Thank you. Thank here, you. Here. Now I have to erase all the difficult questions I was going to ask you. <laughs> That's why you get it going early. <laughs> what a gift it is to behold all of your your faces on screen. Like this is the cast of a killer movie right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's let's begin. Let's begin at the beginning, which I've been told is a very good place to start. So on my podcast, as a lot of you may know, I always begin with time travel. And I wanna, wanna do something like that today. I want us all to, oh, it's like an acting exercise. I want us all to imagine that we're 10 years old. My daughter is 10, I love 10, and it's such a great age. Tell me where you are what you love to do and what you want to be when you grow up. I love Reka's eyes are closed. She's, she's there. She's there. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start with you. Yeah, I want to start with Reka because her eyes were closed. She got there really fast. I can tell. Um, so I was in my backyard playing with a dog um, that we got from the SPCA because I um, asking my parents for a dog for about two years and I finally like made a box that my dog was gonna live in and I like lined it with a blanket and, and they felt so guilty they had to go to the SPC and <laughs> <laughs> If you build it, they will come. Yes. That's what that tells me, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I that's where I was and I I wanted to be everything under the sun. Like what what I wanted to be when I grew up changed weekly. And mm. so I have a job where that is the case. That's right. Amazing. That's right. Okay, who wants to who wants to go next? Hey, hold on. Oh. Uh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> we said that this was gonna be like Indian family dinner, and so it's already yeah. started. <laughs> Yeah, for the first time, my mom asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up at Queen's Bond. Mm. Awesome. I I still want to see it happen. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I want that for you. I want that for all of us. Okay. <clears throat> what about what about you, Praneet? Ooh, when I was ten years old, um, I uh, hosted a uh, Beyblade tournament. Um, it was a whole, I, I imagined this whole thing in my head and then I executed it. Can we, uh, can you say my... for all the people who have no idea what Beyblade is? Beyblade uh, is an <laughs> anime. It's, it's those, it's those spinning oh. tops that you like battle, the tops that like hit each other in battle. Yeah. Something That's called cool. a Bay Stadium. It's based on an anime, a Japanese anime that cool. I used to watch as a kid. It was like the same time Yu-Gi-Oh! and, and all Pokemon, those. all that stuff. Pokemon, exactly, Digimon. Sailor Moon, right here. Yeah. Exactly, there we go. Zoids, Sailor Moon. Tuxedo all Mask. Yes, yes, yes. yes oh, yes. I had a crush on him. Oh my God, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was my childhood, basically. That was me in grade, uh, uh, was it, yeah, I guess 10, 11, that was basically all I was doing. And um, and I decided to uh, host a Beyblade tournament in my house. 
Um, so I invited all my friends and kids <laughs> in the neighborhood. Amazing. And like, I, I went to Chinatown and I bought, cause only Chinatown had these giant uh, Beyblade stadiums. And so like, I convinced my dad to buy me like three of them and I put them in different parts. And then like, I created a whole tournament chart and I had like a whole bracket system set up and everything. This is the nerdiest <laughs> answer. I was I not expecting this This is who I am. I can't run away from who I am. Uh, and so, and so, yeah, that was me at 10. I had a whole world imagined and, and um, friends to this day give me crap about it still. Just like, I can't believe you did that <laughs> on a random thing. Like, invited to play Beyblades in your house. And, Sounds like and then I rigged it so I won the tournament. So, you know. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is a very Gil Bobsy thing oh, to do. That is a very yes. I know. I know. Yeah. 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 Very method. I know. So, yeah. Yeah. That was me at ten. <laughs> what about you, Dorendra? Where Where were you, and and what were you doing, and what did you want to be? Uh, it's gonna get ugly. Uh, <laughs> I'm ten. I'm in a place called Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. Mm. It's Sunday morning. I'm at the market, and sorry, I'm sorry if there's, there's any vegetarians tuned in, but I'm picking a chicken. And this chicken's about to be slaughtered and I'm going to take it home that my mother's going to cook. And then we're going to have it as a midnight feast after we come mm. back from the movies that night. But before that, I'm also going. So I'm actually feeling the chicken to see if it had any eggs in, in you know, and then get going. <laughs> Sabrina's you can like, feel oh. that? I yeah. didn't even know. Sabrina's eyes are like, <laughs> <laughs> and, But it's and fascinating. Like, so like you can feel the... the yeah. And then you can feel the the eggs in the chicken, so I guess that means the chicken actually came first. Fertile, and but, but you don't you don't actually slaughter that one. You you leave that because you want the babies to pure, right? So oh, this, okay. Is, oh. this is in a market, and then you go, and then after that, I'm going to this uh, uh, restaurant. I know there are probably people from the UK that are tuned in that grew up with me or relate to this experience, and so you know, 50 years ago is a long way to think, but. Every Sunday, we used to go and get jalebis and gantias. There was like oh. the bona fide Gujarati snack. Jalebi, gantias, and Yum. fried chilies with sambar. Mm. Sambar is like a coleslaw of carrots and, uh, and, and um, uh, cabbage. And you'd sit with that with a hot piping cup of chai that your mother made mm. with the spices Yum. that she made herself, not store-bought like we do here. And then you'd basically feast on that and then chicken as a midnight feast after coming back from seeing Amitabh Bachchan go dishum. You know, that's how I learned how to act. Hmm. My training came from watching Bollywood movies and that's where I dreamt that I would one day become an actor. But then I saw, sorry, I'm digressing a little bit, jumping the gun, but- That's what we do. There was a movie called Juggernaut. Uh, it, was a, it was one of these disaster movies, like a terrorist, terrorist movie. You know, it's like set on a ship. And Richard Harris, Anthony Hopkins, uh, oh my God, Omar Sharif, uh, all these guys in this movie. I'm watching this movie. There's a bomb on this ship. The IRA, you know, terrorists have planted this bomb and it's going to go off. In the middle of this comes this brown face. And his name is Azad. And he's living on the ocean because he was kicked out of Uganda and the Brits don't like him. So he's a steward on the ship and he recites this, you know, his story to this little kid and Azad. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm going, that's me. I'm in Tanzania, you know, Tanzania and Uganda, neighboring countries. And I'm going, he can do this. I can do this. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know, how I became an actor. I love that. You know who the actor I was? I love that. The actor is Roshan Seth. 
He was in Gandhi. He was in My Beautiful Laundrette. He was oh. in Indiana Jones. And he is the humblest, most humane actor that I have met in my life. You got no to meet clothes, him. No hairs, you got to meet I've him. Had the to work with him more than once. And he's like, I always tell him, I say, you're my guru. And he goes, what? I say, yeah, I used to give him a ride. When we worked together in the UK, I used to give him a ride after work every day. And he'd say, what do you want in return for this? I'd say, nothing. I just want to be in your presence and have your grace. That's it. Amazing. Yeah, true story. Well, I, I, you know what I love about that too wow. is that it speaks to the power of yeah. the importance of, of who and what we see on screen, right? Oh, you know, good. so I mean, oh, like man. this is, you know, specific too for, you know, for those of us who, who grew <laughs> up watching a lot of um, Canadian, American, uh, British to a, a lesser extent, um, television and film, you know, like, you know, if you're, if you're growing up and the majority of what you are seeing is made in in Canada, in the States and in England. Like, what are you what are you seeing? Like, what South Asians are you seeing on screen? You know, and is and are you thinking that this is a career that I can that I can do? Or is this you have to to really, you know, do some magical thinking and to really be like, no, and, and just and just imagine yourself there and then go for it, you know? Like, well, I know this is the, this is a conversation we're probably going to have later, but it's so important because when we think of movie stars, it's because of what we've been ingrained to think of what a movie star looks like and who they are and what color they might be or might mm -hmm. not be. Because that is not, that's not something that is uh, ingrained in us that's taught. Yeah. And now as we see more people of color, more people who are more representative of the wider population, being those lead roles, we are starting to run, understand. And the new generation now, when they see a lead role, they're seeing a lead role in anybody. Whereas myself, I, I remember at one point, I was thinking in my mind, I'm like, I've got to recondition my own thoughts of what I think a lead is, yes. because I need to recondition mm -hmm. the idea that I can be one. Because yeah. I didn't condition Yes, that. I was conditioning myself to think that I'm going to be this bit part. I'm going to be this side, because I thought that was going to be my life when I first got in here. So to recondition myself, I, I, I love the idea now that this generation is growing up and they are growing up now and seeing that anybody can be because they're not being thrust upon with just one type of lead. And it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sachin, thanks. I'm just going to jump in. Dorinda, I'm so grateful for that story that you shared. It gave me chills. And Sachin, to follow up on what you're saying, I don't know about you guys, but for myself, I struggled with massive self-doubt and confusion in my path as an actress because I didn't grow up with any examples for myself on TV. Mm -hmm. My example was Princess Jasmine and she was a cartoon, you know, and just the idea of me thinking I could be in the industry almost felt um, like, who do I think I am? You know, how dare I think I could live these dreams? And it's it's really powerful, I think, for us all to come together and kind of recognize that, you know, I'm seeing everyone nod their nod their heads that we've that unifying struggle that we all went through and just the boundaries that we have to push by just staying with our dreams yeah and how much of staying with your dreams has has involved um you saying no to certain type of roles i'm going to throw this to you agam uh because i mean when when one of the roles that i love most that you know, I see as like a definitive, you know, Agam Darshi role is the character of Kate on Sanctuary. You know, and growing up, 
I don't remember seeing characters like Kate played by people who look like us, you know? So, and like, there's mm. such a, there's such a power. Um, there's such a power in that. There's a question there. If you can find it, please, please answer it. I was, it was more about compliment. That was a huge, a huge moment for me where I was, I got the opportunity to play this character and it was so wonderful for, you know, uh, the people behind it to kind of think outside the box and be like, oh no, like they, to them, they're just looking to cast it. But I don't think they realize how big of an impact they made on me and probably so many others, you know, who watched the show. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell us a bit more about that impact though? And we roll. <laughs> we yeah, all love Kate. I, we all love Kate so much. She was so badass. She was badass. I mean, uh, you never really see, you know, so like, I think the, the trap sometimes we fall into is playing, you know, the Jasmines or the, you know, the damsel in distress in a way, right? And then she was just like so badass and so, uh, you know, she was very tough and it it actually stretched me because I never really saw myself like that. So just as mm. an actor, sometimes you get these like little gifts as roles and you start digging into yourself. And I would find myself kind of bringing my inner Kate to real life. Um, and love that. And yeah, so I, I find like I know that there's an impact to other people, but sometimes I find the biggest rewards is when you're playing a role and it's an impact to your own life and you start mm -hmm. seeing yourself in a different way. I, I think that's probably the most exciting thing for myself. Yeah. Oh, and I just want to point out um, that Reka is drinking from her comically large bottle of water. We we discovered uh, in our pre-show that uh, look at this. This is who, who knew? I had no idea that like this was a this was a thing. Oh, I'm gonna have my tiny little cup of water. Um, but also, you know, I think you guys. I'm sorry to jump. I think Reka and Agum don't realize the effect that they've had on people in this uh, in, in this yeah. group in and of itself. Myself, I moved to Vancouver. I was in a group of, I think, five people where Agum came. I don't even know if she remembers and gave us a little talk about the ins and outs of the industry. A friend set it up. And and obviously watched Rika. You know, I got lucky enough that she was on uh, The 100, got to work with her. And then, you know, now she's Starfleet. Like, you, you, you watch these things. Like, you guys have affected us. We're not talking about some random group of humans that are being affected or other people. People that have been in the industry affect other people in the industry, whether they are just stepping into it or not. So it's it's so cool to uh, do this with people that well, I've respected. I felt that for way well. with um, Vina Sood. When I first came moved to Vancouver, yes. I was like hosting a show, and I got to ho host a, like an interview with her, and I was so nervous because I was like, "This is like she's like a real bona fide actress and yeah. doing such cool stuff." and and so it's amazing like there's that's why it's so important to just hold on to those like people who have been there before and you know uh, and i will say that i did ask vina to participate today and she would have loved to but she is filming like right now yeah. uh, of so like you of know because she is busy she is in demand and that is that is just uh just so so wonderful um you know i'm really i i want to talk a little bit and we're i I have a road. Okay, so I'm gonna let everybody who's watching into this. I have like a roadmap for how I want the conversation to go today, um, and we've already just kind of like torn that up and gone wherever. So I want to. We're gonna come back to um, to talking about diversity and representation. Um, but I also like. I want to get to know because we have the time machine out right now, right? So I want to go back to 
to uh, each one of your very first time on set. You know, so we're back. I'm imagining we're woo. Uh, and um, I want to know, like, what was the project? Uh, what mistakes did you make? And and what do you carry still from that? Ogham's laughing. Ogham's laughing, everybody. Let me share. <laughs> if you don't mind, I was thinking about this. No. I was in. So my first project was renegadepress.com. Uh, and I got to go to Regina. So I'd never been to Saskatchewan before. I was so excited. And I was really lucky because it was like a kid's show or not like a teen show. And so there was like a lot of young new actors like myself. And so I played at the time, I was 23 and I was supposed to play like a 16 year old. And my love interest was also around that age and he was actually 13. And there was, I know, on TV, hmm. <laughs> like we're about to see but. This is my cringe face. I, yeah, I, fortunately my character turned out to be gay. We didn't have to kiss, it was all good. But I remember thinking, I, I was just, I don't know what came over me, but I was like, you know, out and about. And I'm like, I'm gonna get myself a haircut. And so I go get myself a haircut, back to set. And the, my, the, hair, the, the hair woman was like, she was so sweet. She didn't berate me. She was just mm -hmm. like, I just, she just had the stunned look on her face because my hair was short. <laughs> yeah. like, okay, I guess we'll put some like, you know, hair extensions in and like they fixed it. And I was like, okay, like I had no idea that I did something that was completely wrong. Yeah. Until like, you know, all these years later where I'm like, oh, I think I know what that look was about. So yeah. that was my mistake. <laughs> that is awesome. Okay, who's who's next? Who's next to share likes the, the most embarrassing moments from their first time on set? And I, I, I do feel like in, like this question, it's not just about like us all laughing at you. I really feel like this is something that I feel, you know, we have a lot of people watching today who are actors, who, who want to be actors, who are emerging mm -hmm. actors. I really think it's important for them to know that you step onto a set and you don't know it's it's okay not to know everything and a lot of times like people are just faking it till they make it right so yeah. but anyway we love the embarrassing stories too so who's got one if i can my um yes. my first time on set i was playing so it wasn't so much about an embarrassing situation on set it's what led to that embarrassment so i was in a play called uh, destiny by david edgar it was performing at the Half Moon Theatre in London, East End. And it's a play which is about marks the rise of fascism in, in, in England. And it's the first time that Sikh workers in the East Midlands went on strike, right? And I play oh. a shop steward and I was 25 at the time. And I was playing a 60 year old, my age today. And my, my understanding at that time of what a 60 year old was like was I would have a receded hairline. So I decided to shave my forehead. Okay, photos, photos, oh, photos, method. Photo. Oh, oh method. <laughs> they're on Facebook. So, so I shaved my forehead to be convincing on stage. I'm a 60 year old, right? Stupid things that you do as an actor. Anyway, during everybody the went with the haircut. The play, and I'm shaving every day. And yeah. during the run of the play, I book my first TV gig. And it's a TV series called Big Deal, and I'm the guest star, and I'm playing an Arab prince. So I go for the audition, and I, you know, I comb my hair in such a way that nobody knows that I've shaved. <laughs> anyway, first day on set, 
makeup. I'm sitting in a makeup chair, and the you know the makeup artist kind of goes to make my face, and she raises the hair person raises my forehead, and she goes, "Oh, are you having a hair transplant?" I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah you know, it's genetic, so I'm protecting myself. <laughs> I love that you would Constantly. rather that this person think that than what the actual yeah. 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 story is. Cool. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, especially, especially there were th- because there were three other guys who I was very close to, and one of them was actually in the play with audition for the role as well, and I beat him to it, right? So, so like, ugh. anyway, so that's my kind of embarrassing, stupid young actor story. You know, you see greats like Pacino and Bachchan and you know um, Cosby and all these guys. Although Cosby is not a you know good name to mention now, but growing up and you see all the things they did to transform themselves as actors. And you have it in your head that the only way you can do it is with these external devices, which is not true, really. It ultimately starts from within, right? That's a yeah. great, great thing to say. Yeah. Enough about me. It's very true. I, I don't know if anybody first started and they're thinking, oh, I've got to do all this stuff. And when you start not doing, not anything, but you start just like trusting that stuff and everything kind of changes. Um, my first, I moved to Vancouver, I moved to Vancouver from Edmonton because I knew Smallville was filmed there. That's all I knew about the industry. <laughs> Smallville. If anybody knows anything about me, I'm the biggest Superman fan Superman. on the on the planet. Um, so I moved there to be on Smallville specifically. I'd go there, <laughs> um, years go by. I, I think I've worked on two other things where I've had a line. And then uh, for the last 10 episodes, I get called in for Smallville for, uh, for uh, an act for one line. Keep going in, going in, going in, going in. And then finally, on the last episode, I go in for the audition. I've seen all the producers and directors by this point. I know them all. You know, I'm like, hey, guys, what's going We walk in the room and uh, the camera goes down. And uh, they're like, oh, you don't have anywhere to be, Sachin. And I'm like, well, I have to be home in an hour to watch Smallville. So and I, that's, probably, that's probably why I booked it. It was for a line, you know? So I booked Aww. it. But on the day, I show up to the Daily Planet. I'm saying the second last line on the show that turns Clark Kent into Superman and there is no way that line was coming out right. I was not. I for for the first I like there's something that happened to my entire body where I was just like yeah. had this this life experience where I had to mm-hmm. say I'll remember it now. Somebody tell Perry White just came in over the wire. There's a bomb in an elevator uptown. I was sitting at Clark Kent's desk and I had to run out and run out in between while he's giving her the ring and he says tell the minister I'll be late and he runs up and turns to Superman. I came out. I was like. Someone fell where there's a bomb in the <laughs> It happens to all of us. Oh my God. Yeah. They were on them first because the producer literally on, when they turned around on my coverage, he's like, you're so confident in the audition. And I'm like, I know, I, 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 know what I, I know what I'm doing. I can say this line. And then, so what I did was, and every actor learned this, you don't know your line, write it down. So I wrote it down on the portfolio that I had I stared at it, stared at it. And also like when you're new, getting a cue and having to run in mid scene is very, <laughs> very hard. I didn't know, I've never prepared for that in my life. So I read it, read it, read it. And I bolted in. And when you watch it, I literally slide in like Kramer. You can see me. I just, like I'm literally on my feet. Oh, and I'm trying to get this line out as quickly as possible and get off. But I like to this day, Erica Durant, she stuck around to watch because she knew I was like something was happening to this human. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And so to this day, she stuck around and was like, hey, you were great. Just, you know, you're awesome. Uh, I'm like, thank you so much. My God, let me get out of here. 
You know, it's funny you say that, but Erica Durant. I wish I could explain actually, why. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, I just want to say Erica Durant, she also calmed me down in audition with nerves. It's so funny. She seems to be a very, like, positively enforced, wow. like, positive healer. actor. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's, that's awesome. So all of you have had those embarrassing moments then, um, or ones that you have not shared. Uh, uh, comically large. <laughs> I'm I, sorry. The comically large water bottles are doing something to me. I don't know. <laughs> They're just, it's, it's amazing. Um, but, you know, have you then become like that person for other people who like are just looking so panicked, you know, has it changed on their first day or on oh, their yeah. first job and stuff? You can see it immediately now. So immediately, immediately the first thing I do and I'm like, hey, Write it it's down. okay, you're, you're good, <laughs> everything's fine, you're chilling. And like what the best thing to do in that situation is make them feel comfortable with everybody around them. Like it's not about, mm. it's not about the acting in that moment, it's about their surroundings. It's, you know, because they're, they're worried about doing well, obviously, but if they feel comfortable in their surroundings that it's okay to fluff something and if you're like, hey, see that person, they just messed up their line. That person has never known their lines. That person, you know, whatever the case may be, they feel yeah. so much more relaxed about it. So uh, it's just about calming of surroundings. But yes, 100%. I see that now and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You're fine. Everything's okay. You're good. Yeah, that, was, that was me for so long. Like I, uh, you know, I, I always had this perception that like I had to be so pitch perfect when I got there and yeah. I hit my mark and everything. And yeah. it, like so much pressure, so much undue pressure on my shoulders for no reason. And I was just like, you know, flop sweat, like just like anxious, stressed. Like I would just forget to even enjoy being on set. Mm -hmm. Just to be there is a miracle, let alone just like getting to do what you love and, and tell stories and I just kind of lost some happiness in that because it was just so much pressure. And, and it wasn't until I saw like the number one on the call sheet, just like screw up time and time and again, and just be like, what's the line? No, that's not it. Can we change it? That's not, you know, mm. and that right away, it was just like, oh, and then I, you know, and I was able to talk to them and they were just like, you, you think like, we're all like, no, nobody's perfect here. Like we literally like screw up mm. lines all the time. It mm. happens every day. Um, if you yeah. don't like the way a word sounding, go talk to the guy behind the monitor. Like they're fine. It's collaborative. Mm. And uh, if it wasn't for people like, I guess Erica Durant and and um, in my case it was J.C. McKenzie, the the lead of um, October Faction and stuff, and yeah. he's he's worked with like Scorsese and and October Aaron Sorkin, Faction you know. Was so good. Yeah. Wait, I gotta put a plug because I didn't include that in your intro. October Faction is amazing. Oh, thank uh, Praneet, you. Praneet played a character who was this like uh, closeted jock, you know, very like swoony and brooding, and then like gets it on with like the lead dude, and I just it was amazing. It didn't last long. Swoony and season. brooding. You can't tell I, that from I looking at it. <laughs> I know he sent me two promo images for the event and one was like this. And then one was smiling. I'm like, I'm gonna use a smiling one because I've never seen a photo of you. I said that again. I was just like, I was like, maybe we shouldn't use this. <laughs> Reka, I want to talk about, um, about the role. The, the, every every word I'm about to say, pardon me? Can I just chip in on what you were saying about how you become that person? Reka will relate to this. Sorry, I don't want to take a few I'm going to put a pin in Reka so you can continue and then we're going to move on to the next thing. Sounds sure. good. So um, when we did Jinnah, which was 20 something years ago here, and I was, you know, had the good fortune, my first Canadian job and I was number one on the call sheet, they actually added half an hour to the call times so that I could go and hug every single member of cast and crew to say it's a privilege wow. working with you here and thank you for being here to do what you're doing because mm. I can't do this without you. Um, I've always believed in giving back and you know that show I mean we had Rekha, Zaf, Parmsore claims that was his first ever TV job you know that he did Harun Khan 
oh my God, the list was endless. There were 80, 80 cast and there was like, I think about 18 brown people on the, on, on. Wow. that's how I met Rekha. And with Rekha, so she went from playing that wow. in that show to being my wife in another and re- um, now I'm auditioning to play her father. That's age. That's why. Yeah. Legit. Because she's a Cylon. Anyway. (laughs) I want to talk. So I was going to say, so I want to talk about the role that changed your life. So it's like T R T C Y and L are all capitalized. You know, so for you, what was the role that I got the role that changed your life? Yes, I'm talking to you. All that lead up and everything. Uh, then everybody's just staring. That's a really bad De Niro impression, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Reiko, what was the what was the role that changed your life? Tori Foster on Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, and what was it about Tori? Um, I mean the journey that she took, which I didn't expect. Um. It, it was one of those characters, and I'm sure every everybody here knows this. And, and and in life, you don't have to be an actor to know this. There are moments where something comes to you, and you feel it in your bones. You're like, I know. It. Mm-hmm. This is a lineup. This is something that fits for me, mm-hmm. and I have something to say about this, and I have some passion about this person, this topic, whatever it is. And so you go for it. Um, it was my third audition for the show, and I had already figured out from the other two that I really liked these people, that, uh, uh, that something special was, hap- was happening on the show, but I'd never seen it, so I didn't know what it was. Hmm. And um, yeah, my first day on set working with Mary McDonald, boy, hmm. she seems familiar. Uh, <laughs> I'm finding out to the Academy Award. Um, I cried tears of joy that day um, at, at the end of that day because I, I never knew how fulfilling acting could be until I looked back. Hmm. Beautifully said. Acting in, in the industry could be, I should say, because I knew how fulfilling yeah. it could be on stage. Right. Um, but I didn't mm. know the possibilities of television. And at that time, you know, that that was a big deal, that show. Mm. A lot of television is that incredible now. Yeah. But back then, the shows were few and far between. That yeah. And I, I just want to true. confirm, have you seen the rest of the show now that you are were part of it? <laughs> like, I got in trouble the second week, Eddie and Mary sent me to my room. Like you have watched Eddie, Edward James Olmos. <laughs> or I Uncle Eddie, said, as you called him <laughs> on our podcast together. What you just said perfectly defines what people are looking for diversity is that feeling in a role. That's yes. it. That for, for, for us, for people of, of color, they get a role that feels like that. That's it. That's what diversity means. Yeah. Yeah. What what about for for you, Sandy? What was what was the 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 role that changed your life? Um, you know, Reka, it's amazing. Everything you just said is exactly how I felt about 
booking uh, my first series reg nurses playing my character. That's a nurse, Nazneen. It was like lightning in a bottle. It was that same visceral feeling where immediately I was like, I know this, I know this story and I have an opinion and I have a direction and where I want to take her. And I don't know where it's like, well, my mom's a nurse, but I, it was just so instinctual and intuitive. And when that type of material comes your way, I sobbed as well. You know, when I found out I booked the job and it's, it's, it's an incredible feeling knowing that dreams can come true for minorities in the film industry. I really didn't know going into the industry if it was ever going to work out and so to have that experience it kind of made all the struggle and the failures worth it you know yeah. i'm so glad i hung in yeah does anybody else want to take that that the role that changed your life question smallville was <laughs> <laughs> uh, sutton like smallville uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jinnah on crime for me in more, than, more ways than one because I'd actually given up acting. I got to a stage in my career in the UK, this is prior to Bend It Like Beckham, where I got to a glass ceiling. So I left the business and I moved to mm. Canada and I was living in a small town called Windsor, Ontario and I was running a restaurant because food and wine is my other passion. So I had to become a chef if I hadn't become an actor. Anyway, long story short, I get this fax. i almost about to rip it off and my wife says to me, no, no, they're shooting in August and it's in Vancouver and we close the restaurant in August. So why don't we go there for a vacation? I said, I'll be working. You'll be having a vacation. Anyway, mm -hmm. I initially said no to the audition. Carol Tarlington, God bless her, persisted. I ended up coming here. But before that, I got the script. I read the name Jinnah on crime. I said, Jinnah? Well, I don't get this. Anyway, I read the story. It's about a reporter who's based in Vancouver, who's going back to Africa because he's given up on the whole journalism thing and he's gonna open up a Burger King franchise, right? So I read the script and I go, this character is an Indian from East Africa mm. because the way this script is written, the rhythm with which the language is written. And Jinnah cannot be the name because Jinnah is a Pakistani name, right? So anyway, I call them and I said, the the this 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 character is born in east africa they said no he's canadian he's canadian he's a canadian reporter i said i'm sure he is but he's born in somewhere where i i relate to talking about how a, a role talks to you right hmm. anyway i get the part i show up where we're having the first uh producers read through all the executives from cbc are there the local guys are there and i walk into the room and there's a guy sitting in I, i'm in my pink shirt and there's a guy sitting right there in a like canary yellow shirt and he goes jambo buana unaongea swahili and i went i told you guys so <laughs> salim jiwa and i start talking to him in swahili right so i played salim jiwa in jinnah on crime he's an inspired reporter he's retired now he's from tanzania where i was born wow and the great thing about jinnah is i was very fortunate. We couldn't change the name, unfortunately. There's a whole bunch of stories about that, too. Seek Extras showed up to shoot on the first day, saw the name Jinnah, and decided, we're not going to be part of this movie. This guy divided our country. Anyway, going back, though. Um, so I was so, it was such an empowering moment because, you know, we're talking about representation and the lens, lens with which the story is told. Well, I was able to influence so many changes in the script, several changes, like they had Muslim characters with Hindu names, Hindu characters with Muslim names. 
They had a whole thing about cremation and burial all wrong. They had mm. me going to Africa and not speaking Swahili. They had so many different subtle changes that I was able to bring to the script that actually lifted the script up. And, mm. you know, it got nominated and so on. But the, that, that mm. really makes a difference. When you get a role, you get a script and you read it and you go, this speaks to me. And it not just is gratifying for you, but it's gratifying in the sense that it actually informs the world about where you're from with a perspective mm -hmm. that is authentic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because there's not just one kind of, of Indian person. There's not one kind of way to be, to be yeah. South Asian, um, especially those of us in the diaspora, diaspora. Um, okay, so let's... I would like to, to talk a little bit more uh, about this now. Um, you know, there has been so much talk and we have all, all of us on the podcast, uh, on the UBCP Actual Red Carpet, we have talked about diversity and representation and, and how far we've come and uh, how far we need to go. Um, what do you think your colleagues who aren't South Asian should know or would benefit from knowing about being a South Asian Canadian actor here in Vancouver? I have a question. How many people here have been to set and the first thing they are is directed to extra holding? That, who, you walk to set. All the time. You walk to set, every, everything I've ever done besides mm -hmm. maybe three and a hundred after year three, if somebody new didn't show up, the moment we get to set, and this is a story I tell all the time, and I've had to, and it's one that's very frustrating, and I'm going to try to be as calm as possible about it because it frustrates me for everybody here that that have been working in Durindra has been in this industry for how long? Rekha, Agam, Sandy, and Praneet now crushing in this industry. Every time you come to set, the perception immediately is, this is an extra, and that is the perception that has to change. So, mm -hmm. so the things that they might not see is the immediate amount, when we walk into a room, the amount of proof that we have to prove that we belong begins, we start at negative 15. And I, and I don't want to be in a position where I'm like, oh, woe is me and all this stuff. I just want you to be aware of the situation. Um, it's like when you go on a job interview and the guy who's hiring next, is, you know, is friends with the guy who's hiring. You have to go in there and you have to be so good and not good. You have to be, you have to be so unbelievably memorable that if you're not, you're not going to get it. So like, oh, that were great. That was surprising. And you can't even be surprisingly good. You have to be the best thing that they've ever seen because they initially see you as an extra. Mm -hmm. And that is the most frustrating thing here. These all are legitimate. These people in this panel are some of the most substantial actors that we are seeing right now. And everybody put up their hand. So that's just a small thing that they have to realize in that when we come to diversity, like when I'm, when I'm talking to the people, those colleagues, get yourself some colleagues of diversity because that begets more diversity. Ugum, for example, is creating and producing her own stuff. We need more of that so that those people create more for people because they don't realize if you have like somebody of diversity in a position like that, they are diversifying in every way, not just mm -hmm. looking for one specific thing. They understand the plight of everybody in this situation. So that is an important thing to note is that you don't understand what it's like to walk up and immediately be a second class citizen at a job that took that was so hard to get in the first place. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And these are the same people that keep continuing to say things like, oh, it must be a great time to be diverse right now. All the rules are yes. like you guys man. constantly, like, man. all the you time. You have all you heard that. You have been like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it must be so easy for you right now because you're getting all the rules. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't even have to audition. I don't have to hustle. Nothing. It's, <laughs> a, it's a great time to be ethnic, man. It's just a great time to be ethnic. Yeah. Like, like, as yeah. it, like, it's, it's, do you, it's they not, don't realize the system, systematic hurdles that, that's like, you know, just because the hurdles have been slightly removed now on our path. Totally. Doesn't mean and all of a sudden think, we can run the race equally. It doesn't work that way. And I don't think people realize just how painful it is to hear okay. that because it's negating just all the barriers that we've had to work through to even yeah. get to this point where there's a bit of an increase, but still not actually equal, you know? So it's it's really, it's, it's, it's painful and it's really upsetting. And I can't believe everyone's heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Rekha, you had your hand up. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Whatever, South Asian family dinner, just no. But I know Re Reka did put her hand up. That was very polite of you, Reka. I've never seen that. Bringing you your Canadian-ness into this conversation. Be more in it, please. what's been said. We're so talking over each other. Um, <laughs> and I forgot now what I was going to say. What no. Were we talking about? Uh, uh, it's a great time to be diverse right now. Something oh, like yeah. so yeah. hot right now. So great. I mean... All you have to do, A, I've had a, a, a woman, a lovely actress who has worked a long time and so much more than me uh, say those words to me. And she was literally working on a series and I was I hadn't worked on set in a, about a year at the time. Mm. And, uh, it was like, I, did, I couldn't even respond. I was like, yeah, this to me right now and you're a lead on a series. They're projecting. They're projecting their own stuff onto you because they're worried that you're gonna take some of their work, even though they're still getting eighty-five percent of the work. Like it's, exactly. it's a, it's a. I have to look at the statistics. So anytime that's said now, I'm like, look at the statistics because, it, and 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 it is as Sandy was saying. It's um, it's emotionally jarring. It's 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 an attack, honestly, to have yeah. somebody say that to you because it negates. Uh, your abilities. It's like, oh, well, equal opportunity hire somehow means that I, that's the only reason why I'm hired. Yeah. It's not. And there are so many times when I've actually had casting directors say, you were the best actor from the first audition to the test. And I still don't get the job. So it actually has nothing to do with even nope. how good you are. There's so many times when we've all lost jobs to people who are white. So yep. many times. And so for that, for the white people to start to feel like they might lose a job to somebody who's colored, it's frightening for them because it's only happened a couple of times. For us, yeah. it's like 80% of the jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Even on casting calls that say BIPOC only on them. I literally saw this a year ago. There's a project that I auditioned for a year ago. It said BIPOC only. And the character was Raj Malotra. It's literally what the name was. I'm like, okay, you can change the name. It can be different. It doesn't have to be Indian necessarily. It can be Southeast Asian. It could be, you know, African. It doesn't matter really. You can change that name. But you said BIPOC only. And of course, a year later, I go on IMDb and I look at the, look at the character name and they've changed it to literally, I'm not even kidding you, Robert McDonald. And it's a white actor. Um, the amount of times that happens. I mean, even that, right? Like yeah. you're, you know, 
of course, a lot of producers will hide under the guise of open ethnicity and then go for the white, mm. you know, actor. Mm. But then there's also that uh, part of this industry too, where it's you know they'll specifically even ask for POC actors and then they'll yeah. you know we, change we the name because it has to be well, perceptually like, looking for. Every... Right? Sorry, no, sorry, sorry. I jumped. I jumped. <laughs> Agam, I choose oh, you. Oh, like it's, it's the, the unfortunate thing is that it's in every layer of the industry. And I, mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned this before, but like I went to VIF and saw the Canadian short film lineup, and there were two actors of color, because I noticed this stuff, and yeah. they were, had like small parts. Out of all of these short films in the Canadian, Canadian short film lineup, and I didn't understand how they could call it Canadian. I didn't understand how it just happened and there's a lot of i think also um sometimes there's these ideas it's like well you know we don't really have a lot of strong bipoc actors that can play leads that can do that kind of work but which is untrue but i think it also stems from the fact that when we start casting children you know a lot of these children are are you know for example one of those short films had two little girls in it they were both white and it's like Mm. why couldn't you why couldn't you try to cast outside of that? Yeah. It starts from someone who is, you know, 15 years old, and then as they get older, then they become, you know, the Sarah Gadons of Canada or whoever. But yeah. you need to, like, it, it becomes a fertile ground for them, and so they can see themselves as being mm-hmm. number one on a call sheet at yeah. the age of 15. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. when you're a person of color, it's just sort of like, how do I... Can I yeah. Yeah. How many times have you been on projects uh, where, like, the cast looks like the screen that we are all looking at right now? Um, I can I can tell you, Uggam's film. Uggam's film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A film that Uggam was the lead on that I also was in. Okay, so great. So Uggam. Uh, <laughs> Uggam's making change for sure. Yep. <laughs> so I guess what this says then is is that in order to make lasting change, the will needs to be there, but also like we need to be stepping up into roles where we are controlling the stories and telling the stories. Um, like this, like what Reka said, that, that type of role that you see, cause a lot of times you get something and you're like, all right, I'll do this one again. And that, you know what, that's fine. I love working. I'll do, I, I will do anything. I love it. But my God, as an actor, as an actor, why did you pick this? Why did you choose this impossible career? And I'm gonna congratulate everybody in this panel and everybody that might be watching it because having all that we've said, still walking into a room and having the type of success that you've had is, it seems insurmountable, it seems untenable, but you've all done it and people still do it. And so that that has to be applauded. Um, but it, we just need those those stories that you see, and you're like, oh man, I need to do this. But and and it's not it's it, but you know it's endemic, it's institutional. You could say there is abundance, there is abundance. There's no reason, there's no scarcity at all, especially in this community. But it's not just as somebody said in the chat here. It's not just endemic to our business. It's in mm. every vocation of life. It's systemic, you know. And one of the things, I mean, it's it's one thing making space and creating space and taking space, but we also need to get mobilized behind the scenes through the politics of the industry. Mm. You know, 
One of the things that I've been very fortunate, I have some great allies, uh, our sister Angela, who's tuned in here, who's our chair of the BIPOC committee. We're doing a lot of work through the union and we've got a very, right now we've got an amazingly diverse board. Not only that, but a board that's got its ear to the ground as far as inclusion and diversity is concerned. Right. And that whole intersectional lens mm. is now being applied to the work we're doing through the union, through BIPOC, which is basically the most aggressive and active and progressive wing of all the committees in the union. I know I'm talking shop now and it's people are going, what, we, we, were, we were here to listen to actors celebrate. Well, this is a celebration. Well, this is part no, this of is the important. journey. It's, this is it's important. part of the journey that we need to engage. We need to bring the change. You know, we now have intersectional representation on the age inclusion committee, on the scholarship. You know, it's like we need our, ourselves and our voices heard on each and every single committee of the union to bring about that change because no matter how woke our allies are, because of this scarcity syndrome, right? Which is that I'm fighting for the same bone that that other 10 dogs are fighting for. Sometimes there are blind spots that develop even among the, among the most woke members of our union, mm. leaders of our union. And I think it, by engaging and talking to them one-on-one -on -one, and being part of that process, I think we're slowly bringing about that change. And of yeah. course, yeah, create your own work, you know, create your own work and create work for other people like you. Yeah, now there I wanna- There's a lot of optimism because you're seeing Sandy, you're seeing Praneet just absolutely, you know, crushing it on these roles right now that are just substantial and great. And you're just, there. there is hope for it, but there is still so much work to be done, I think, which is, which is the uh, mm -hmm. crux There's of the issue. Can we, can we talk about some, sorry, this is the talking over each other end. You please continue, Durendra. There's a certain age range within which we're hot. And every actor, my peers, myself, have gone through this. When you're a man or a woman and you're brown, there's a certain age demographic that you're very hot because you're telling the story that they want to tell about us. Mm. You know, the tearaway, mm. the girl that got beaten up by the father, the wife that got murdered, you know, there's a certain demographic where you're very hot. You'll be working nonstop. Mm -hmm. And unless you make that transition to create your own work, mm -hmm. set that legacy plan mm -hmm. for yourself, once that window is gone of that age gap, of that age demographic, you will not work. Yeah. Because and let's change that. And let's change that. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of also the film that I talked about that Praneet was in and, and um, developed the story for Mom versus Machine, uh, which, yes, he co-starred in it. But I would I would argue that the main star was Nimek Kanji. And we see her fighting a robot uh and winning by the way um yeah. so that's you know and that was a, that was a project that you know was was nurtured and brought to vivid life uh by south asian canadian filmmakers so and that was our mandate going ahead with it like it was not you know it, it we've frankly had enough of subservient sort of roles and i think ultimately i wanted to tell the story especially with somebody like Nimet, you know, uh, an older South Asian actress, you know, instead of playing the aide and like, you know, the nurse, uh, you know, like two, like a, a like a white doctor or whatever like that. Um, it's just, I, enough was enough. I think I wanted to just see a badass science fiction comedy where you'd have someone like Nimet fighting an alien robot, you know, yeah. and have, have the storyline nothing to do with their ethnicity. 
and 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 bring some color to the to the story color light uh, you know love music things that we're yeah. all you know that that's why we and fell in love color, with this art and, and color too. exactly right yeah um it's it's always i just find like that you know diversity or sometimes even representation you look at the storylines and it's always something dark or traumatic you know related to the race uh, yeah, related to our race it's always about trauma and i just think you know even even the way we tell our stories and what types of stories you choose to tell yeah. i think eventually you know there's more room for some happiness as well and some color and, yeah. some, and some laughter yeah. too and know? some sci-fi stuff okay so let's yeah. name some of the south asian character stereotypes that unless they are the most well-written, amazing, you know, journeys and dynamic and they're flawed and they're funny, whatever, that we are done with. What are they? We condemn it? Taxi driver. Terrorist. Yeah. Uh, convenience terrorist. store owner. Convenience store owner and terrorist are are too, too high on the list. Yeah. Um, Rebellion. Honestly, like just somebody that subsert, oh, sorry, Agam. Oh, I was just gonna say the young rebellious girl who's berated by her mother for <laughs> road hockey. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. as, as all of you have shown, you can play so much more than that. You can, you can um, inhabit. I always like this idea of like actors put on like character skin suits and they're inhabiting, which is kind of a gross image, but it's just how I picture it. But yeah, you can bring a multitude of putting on this part. Oh, the figures are great. But you can play all kinds of all kinds Bernie, of Bernie said it best that subservience. We I want mm. I want our characters to have self respect on television and movies. I want yeah. them to be sexual. I Sexy. I sexual South Asians on TV. And I'm, hey, I'm, I'm making out with Nancy Drew every week, so tune Yes, in. that is yes. true. <laughs> that's sexy. And that's, that's, sexy. that's huge, We need though. more. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah, I agree. We need more of that, 100%. Gail is sleeping with Nancy Drew. I am on Drew. record for the toe-sucking scene in Jin on Crime. <laughs> I made the Guinness well book, Guinness book quote of records. We are screening that as soon as this is done. After the yeah. Just let me get my comically large water bottle, and I'll be, I'll be... <laughs> All over that, no, you know. Before, seriously, before it's say, about humanizing. The, it's about humanizing yes. us. If yeah. a taxi driver, a wife beater, whatever it is, humanize them. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. I mean, some of the best roles in cinema history are villains, are badass people. When it comes to a serial killer who's white, they humanize them. When it comes to an Indian mm -hmm. father who has murdered his daughter in Maple Ridge, they're demons. You know. Reflect that in your research. Don't be a lazy person who's writing a story mm. led by your politics, your left-wing white liberal agenda, like mm. humanize these people. And then the crime itself is heinous enough. Um, that was a script that I actually turned down. This crime is heinous enough to do the job for us as an audience, give us some credit that we realize that this is a complete asshole who's murdered his daughter, right? But the fact remains is humanize those people. Don't just, so what happens is a whole generation of kids growing up saying, oh, every brown old guy is a murderer, mm. right? I mean, I meet, I meet young, my daughter's friends, you know, who I talk to and they're scared to talk to me because they, and they, my daughter says, why? I mean, why, why, why? And they have a certain perception of what Indian men, father figures are like 
you know it's it's horrible it's horrible we're creating you know in our bid to create stories that are pushing a certain agenda we're dehumanizing the elder generation yeah. who are who are working five jobs sometimes pardon i use the f word five jobs sometimes to make sure that the kid can live the dream yeah you know and can be integrated yeah. in the society in canada yeah and you're what you're talking about too are the real world implications of of misrepresenting and dehumanizing pop entire populations on screen. Mm -hmm. You know, we are I, it was announced yesterday that uh, Vancouver um, has the most anti-Asian hate incidents in the mm. world. Uh, and I I contend I contend that what we see on television impacts that uh, impacts how how marginalized people are perceived. I want, do want to ask you, though, uh, what's some of the feedback that you have all received from from either, you know, South Asians in the diaspora diaspora um, or in, in India to the work that you do? You know, what are you hearing from them when they see you, you know, if Gil Bob Bobsey, you know, sleeping with Nancy Drew or or uh, Tori Foster siloning all over the place or or, you know, um, Simon Masrani, you know, uh, stirring up trouble in a in Lego Jurassic World land, you know, like what are you what are you hearing? I've been getting lots of uh, wonderful messages from from uh, specifically fans in India that watch the show and, um, and uh, just beautiful, long messages. And I read through all of them. I just can't reply to all of them, but I read through all of them and, and they're all just really, really um, I get emotional reading them because they, they all say mm -hmm. like, you know what, this it, you have no idea how much this means to me to see you up there mm -hmm. on this American TV show being like this, the, I guess in this case, the CW sex person, sex symbol, sex person, sex symbol. Sex person. Uh, on, uh, like, <laughs> CW sex person. I'm going to put that at the bottom of the CW sex person. That's, oh. that's going in your, that has to be your Twitter bio, bio now. I love it. That has to be. And Adila, if you're watching, because I think you were, I, oh, I saw it. Huh. Adila, I want, I want everybody, I want you to tell everybody on Nancy Drew that, that that's pronounced. CW sex person. Yeah. But, but, you know, just like, just like, you know, being able to see a guy that's up there that's, you know, that again, to them, it's just, it means a lot because a lot of them want to be actors. A lot of them want to move to North America, you know, and, and unfortunately due to the circumstances in their environment, and I was like this too, and I'm sure a lot of you relate just, you know, our, our households and the way we're raised, this industry is not, you know, something that we have the permission to necessarily pursue. And so, you know, uh, if I can do my little part on, on a, TV show in Canada and, and that airs all the way in India. And if I can just change the lives of these people just a little bit, just so they can dare to dream a little bit, you know, um, yeah. that's, 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 that means the yeah. world. So, um, so yeah, I have been getting lots of wonderful messages like that and it really makes my day. It's true. They, and, and it's, it's just like, um, cause, uh, cause I was on the show for seven years. Luckily, I didn't know it was going to happen. We don't, we don't know what's going to, if it's going to continue, you think every year you're going to get canceled, whatever's going to happen. So you get all these messages, but my character also was, um was gay on the show so my character dr jackson was gay and i was in an interracial relationship with uh with a black man and the messages wow. that i got from people in india indians who are part of the lgbtq community wow. that said that because of that representation in and of itself that exists on television they those messages were unexpected but when i got them i realized that that everything we do is important because not only are, seeing, are these people seeing representation, representing the type of character you are is representing a whole other group. And if those blend together in some beautiful way, it's just, 
this matters. Our, 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 the stuff that we do matters. And you're right. In our community, it's not necessarily a job initially. That is something that when you first when you first start, those barriers to entry emotionally first are impossible because our we are told we can't do this. Our whole communities are telling us we have a bunch of group great people that are telling us too. But it's so it, it what we do matters because as we've said, what do we see a lead as in a movie? Why why do we have to recondition ourselves? Let's what we're doing is reconditioning the future generations to understand that you, everybody's a lead. No matter what you are, who you are, wherever you are, every single human being is number one on the call sheet. I don't care what you what you think you are or don't are. And that's what we do in this job. Besides doing something that we love and it's beautiful, that is what we're doing here. And that's why we need we need to change and aggressively change. I'm not talking about, because we, we walk into rooms having to be extremely kind and nice so people don't think we're jerks because immediately that would be the perception, but it's time to be a little more, and I don't know the way to do this. I'm, I'm hoping to find ways a little more aggressive with the approach because I'm tired of having kids grow up seeing leads that aren't them. Mm. And I don't want anybody to have to go through the things that we've talked about. I don't want one more Indian person to walk on set and be directed to extra holding ever again. If they're not an extra, I don't want it ever again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, so what we do is important. Um, what you just said reminded me about something. There's a moment when you're in love. Sorry, I cut somebody off. Yeah, no, Reka next. I think Reka is a little bit farther back from her mic, so she starts talking, and it's like, I, I hear you, Reka. Go ahead, you gotta Reka. come go, out. Go you gotta come go out. Ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. come on, come on. <laughs> I have to say, it's literally the reason I have given up all these years. Um, I the 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 moments that have been really tough and we've all gone through them every actor regardless of what color they are has wanted to quit at least mm -hmm. five times um and the the thing that has kept me in was just the thought that i did not want another little brown girl in this world to not see themselves i'm like i can't give up i can't i gotta do it for them do you ever do it for your own little girl like do you ever find yourself being like that little girl in me, just does that? Does that? I'm ever tearing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, only recently, because I couldn't even go there for a long time. But just yeah. recently, I'm like, no, she's got to live. She's got some fun that she wants to have, and it's up to me to open those doors for her so she can play. Yeah, honoring yeah. that inner that ten year old we were talking about at the beginning, right? Yeah, it's a big part yeah. of why I do what I do in my part, my little part of the uh, part of the industry. Um, I am I, I feel so, kind of overwhelmed right now. There's just been there's just been so there's been so much. Um, I, I guess what message do you have for South Asian actors? who are entering the industry right now. You know, if you could, if you could give them some words of wisdom, um, some, something that might take the sting out, maybe beyond don't mess your hair up right when you book your first job. <laughs> beyond that, you know, what would you, <laughs> what, what, what do you say to them? Be you, be you, bring yourself. Mm, that's don't, beautiful. Don't, Tear down those images of De Niro and Pacino and whoever else you have on your walls. Redefine, decolonize, uh, you know, be you. You're hired, and this is 
I'm, I'm in a way a living example. All my peers went to certain institutions, uh, drama schools, certain stage schools. They came out. They never worked. I was the one actor that worked every single day other than Boxing Day and, and Christmas Day in the mm. UK. Theater, film, television, radio, you know, nonstop until the day I decided I'm going to quit and I moved. And I've quit twice now. Uh, mm. But that's another story. B, and the reason... The reason I was hired, and they told me this, is because you walked into the room and you opened your mouth and we didn't hear an institution. We didn't hear another actor. We heard your voice. Mm. So that's what I would say. Be you and advice to any parents watching when kids want to go in this business. You know, there are enough accountants and economists and doctors and engineers. Let your children, especially if they're daughters, pursue their dream you know covid is a perfect example if it wasn't mm -hmm. for us entertainers we'd be in a worse situation than we are now no matter what science you have vaccines you have ultimately people need to engage relate laugh cry and entertainers are there to fulfill that really important function in life mm. anyway yeah that is that is beautiful Okay, y'all. I don't know why I called you y'all, because that is not something that we say at the South Asian Canadian uh, dinner table. <laughs> yes. um, are you, you want to switch it, switch the tone a little bit. You want to, you want to play some favorite things. Let's Everybody loves favorite things. Everybody who has to say their favorite things, <laughs> hates favorite things. I love it. Okay, so uh, listeners to the Why Screen Scene podcast know that I love to ask my guests rapid fire questions about their favorite things. I don't give them a lot of time to think about it because I want answers from their guts. Yes. All right, let's do this right uh, now. Question. Ah. <laughs> Just so yes. that we don't all, we're so Indian and we're all gonna talk. <laughs> we can go one at a time. I, Maybe you say the question and then say the person's name. A name, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, I love nice. it. Nice. Okay. Nice, Rika. Thank you. That was great. Okay. Oh, colonial. <laughs> well, you don't want everybody talking over each other. It's beautiful. It sounds like music. All right. Some people have less functional mics than others, so they're making sure they're their response. It was a very strategic move. It was very, yeah, very smart. Yeah. I don't want to play Monopoly with Rika. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm doing that thing I do where I just kind of drag it out. Everybody gets a little nervous. Okay. <laughs> Favorite sci-fi show of all time. Agam. Sanctuary. Rekha. <laughs> and Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Suction. Star Trek Next Generation. Praneet. Firefly. Oh, Firefly? One. Yeah, that was a good one. But I said Firefly. It was like, whoa, it came out so fast. Sandy. X-Files. Good one. Ooh. Derendra. <laughs> X-Files. Uh, Ooh. Can I add that? <laughs> X-Files wins. <laughs> no, Star Trek The Next Generation wins. But also Battlestar Galactica. And I'm glad that Firefly I'm glad that Reiko watched it. And Firefly. Okay, they're Firefly, all good choices. Yeah. I have like box sets of all of them. Okay. <clears throat> This is such an unfair one, and I'm so excited for it. Favorite scene partner of all time, Praneet. Yeah, uh, uh, Kennedy McMahon, Nancy Drew. That's the one I can think of right now. It's not mad. Durandra. 
Rekha Sharma and Jinan crime at the airfield where we're saying goodbye to each other as I'm getting on a plane. It was like uh, from uh, Casablanca. Rekha. Mary McDonald, that was very good. Sachin. Agam Darshi, I'm kept. Aww. <laughs> Sandy. Agam Darshi and her new film you haven't seen yet, but you will. Yes. <laughs> Wait, that was you, Sachin? That was Sachin. And on he was the, you were the, he was, he was Turban. You were the dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, okay. Okay. I know. It's okay, all Agam. there now. Okay. It's all on you, Agam. Oh gosh, uh, this is a hard one. I know. <laughs> I just thought of Stephen Lobo. Yeah, Stephen Lobo. Stephen Lobo. Oh. And he would have been yeah. here today too, but he's also <laughs> One of my first filming. gigs, Gigs, I played a younger version of Stephen Lobo uh, in a flashback uh, on some Lifetime movie, and Baby Will wow. Fall. And was were were you playing a nice character? You know? Do you know the answer to this? Because it's the worst. I almost quit acting after this. Yeah, no, I do know the answer, and I also know it because often Steve gets cast to play not so nice people. Um, the, I so long story short, I had to do something terrible to a girl in a bowling alley as the flashback version. And I couldn't shake it for, I think, like a week because they kept making us do it over and over again. And emotionally, it did something to me that I think I was broken. I was like, I don't want to do this. This is not what I want to be like. And I, I went to my acting coach and I was like, I just I think she's like, you're just you're fine. Everything's fine. And I just said, no, I feel I, I checked up on the girl like for the next week afterwards to make sure she was fine. I was just emotionally uh, I was like, this is not what I want to do. But um, then everybody told me it was fine and you're 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 going to be fine and i just took some time to think and i thought maybe that's why i should do it so then i kept doing it because i felt bad did not know we were going to go in this direction during favorite things <laughs> sorry but I am very, no i'm very I'm grateful so that we did i'm grateful that we did. I, okay. I didn't expect to be asked about it <laughs> <laughs> okay favorite song lyric Agam. Somewhere over the rain. Are we supposed to sing it? <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> Birds fly over the rainbow. Why then? And why can't I? There you go. Section. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm because I'm flagrant. Tap myself and it's falling in the basement. Notorious B.I.G.'s rapping. No money, no problem. Obviously, Sandy. The first thing that came to mind is thunder. Na 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 I love that na 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 is part of that. I will, I will never forget that. Direndra. First thing that came to mind was Mera jutta hai japani, ye patloon inglistani, sar pe lal topi rusi, hir bhi dil hai hindustani, mera jutta hai japani. You just made me tear up. Oh, <laughs> beautiful choice. Rekha. I can't go after that. <laughs> um, I, I feel like we should have said it there. But uh, we can be heroes just for one day. Beautiful. All right, Pranit, it's all on you. Mine is uh, Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. 
Nobody said to cheese buddy hai must must. Hey, I was just close. I was upset. I was going to say Badshah from Shark Khan as well too. Oh, Badshah. Tum pas aaye. Nobody? That's Badshah? Oh, no, that's Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's Kuch Kuch Kuch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, yeah, I should have said that. What, what a boring answer. <laughs> okay, we got a reset. No, yeah, that was yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so well, much. Thanks. Okay, um, I got a couple more of these. Um, favorite Indian entree? Food. On oh, food entree. Pranit. The oh, man. <laughs> mm. uh, 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 my mom's eggplant curry. Ooh. Oh wait, before we continue. Now, is this an eggplant curry that you would allow your mom to make or have you bought her something so that it can be, there's like an automatic. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> when I found out I that wish. mom versus machine was based on the fact that he bought his mom an automatic roti maker and she didn't to like make it. Her life easier. But that's her love language pretty. I know. That's I know. Her love language. I know. Anyway, I was I I was I was astounded and amazed. I thought that was uh, <laughs> Thank you. that was great. Okay, who Sachin? Mom's Rajma Chawal. Mm, yes. Oh, yum. You, you got to have nothing. your own answers. You have to have your own answers too, Agamemnon, Andy. <laughs> uh, Sandy. Samosas, veggie samosas, or gulab jamun. Mm. I'm gonna have some today. I always say that that uh, gulab jamun are superior to Timbits. And oh, yeah. there's not even any. No question. Not even. Not even close. Agam. My mom's watching. I was going to say Rajma Chal, my mom's, but because it's already taken, I'm going to say her um, alu gobi pronta with with and saying, like, I'm salivating. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, man. I would like that tonight, mom. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I have seen your mom in the comments and stuff, so uh, she, yeah. <laughs> she's there. She's there. Good answer. All right, uh, Direndra. Lamb biryani, East African. See where I grew Ooh. up. Again, it's a coastal town, and it's an influence of Arabic cuisine, of course, predominantly Indian and African, and the lamb biryani mm. that the Bora community brought to from India to um to uh, East Africa. You can buy it at uh, Jumbo Grill here in uh, on Kingsway, or you can also get it uh, on order from Safari Snack House. Nothing comes close, not even the Hyderabadi biryani. <laughs> I was just gonna- the, mm. To the East yeah. African lamb biryani. <laughs> Derived from the Hyderabadi biryani. I wish this was mm. a potluck now. My God. Yeah, it should have uh, been. It should I am from Hyderabad and Hyderabadi biryani is number one. Your mom is making somber and rice tonight. She just said that in the chat. Okay. Rekha, Rekha, what's your food? Uh, my mom's green bean sabji with her fresh roti. See, Praneet, moms, that's their love language. I hope you learned your <laughs> <Yeah>. lesson. <laughs> yes, okay. I've learned my lesson. Somebody just asked a question about mogo. Yeah, mogo is one of my favorites. Oh, yes. Which is basically, <laughs> I, I actually boil it, and then I make a mash of it. Of course, 
fried is the best, but you know, at my age, you can't eat fried too much. This fried is torture. Food. This is torture. I boil it and I, I put a little lemon and fresh ch green chilies and salt. Yeah. And, something to and, um, and the woodpecker's back. Yeah. When are you inviting us over for your yes cook off? Because this man can cook. Oh. <laughs> I'll fly I, back. I see all the uh, yeah, because you're in Toronto now. I see, yeah, I see your posts. Uh, with all of your your delicious meals, um, <laughs> I'm just drinking black coffee and just trying to power through on that. Um, yes, so please, honestly, why bear screen scene live in person is going to be a thing one day, and we should absolutely have a potluck. It's option. an open, it's an open invite. It's an open watch invite. Me. Whenever this thing is over and behind us, you're welcome. The doors are always. And we're going to watch your toad sucking uh, scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eating the food. Yeah. Okay, but then we gotta watch some Gil Bobsy stuff too. Okay, I guess my last. So this will Sex be my person. last of the fun questions, because then it's not gonna be so fun. Um, this is me with my roadmap taking us all over the place. Okay, so the last question is: favorite pandemic coping strategy. Agam. Oh, you nodded. So I was like, okay, she's got one. Well, um, I think walks, walks in the forest. Oh yeah. We live in a beautiful place where you can do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sandy. Two hour walks. Like be behind Ogham, six to six feet apart yeah. from Ogham. Like, if everybody says just... walks, we're going on a socially distanced walk. Yeah. <laughs> Walks, hikes, nature, tree, there's something so grounding about it. And whenever I come home from a big walk, if I'm feeling really unsettled from this pandemic, which is, I, I know everybody, I always feel, I'm so shocked at how I feel tremendously better just from a walk. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm, I, I mean, no one has said um, sitting on the couch, feeling sad, watching <laughs> oh, Netflix, no, no. Eating, you haven't gone, eating a you haven't... roast chicken. Okay, Praneet. <laughs> S snacking and napping. Yes. Okay, okay. I feel seen. I feel seen. Yeah. 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 Gorging really food and yeah. napping. Yeah. Yeah. That's my snacking and Netflix. Yeah. One of Best the, thing you've watched the... on Netflix, Sachin? During uh, the pandemic. That's a good question. Uh, yeah. Peaky Blinders is so good. Succession is amazing. Um, I um, if we're talking about uh, Never Have I Ever is so good. Um, what uh, Lovecraft Country was really awesome. Mm -hmm. um, lots. I went through a list. I wish I could name all of them, but no, I actually I, I have a list in my phone. I've written down everything that I've watched since Tiger King in March 2020, oh, uh, wow. and then I've sorted it into like my favorite things. Um, and uh, yes, I will share those with people afterwards on Twitter if they would like. I, yeah, who has it got? Reka. Um, spiritual practice. Uh, my guru is my anchor, diving into uh, the great teachings of our ancestry. Uh, we come from a lineage of the most elevated souls. There's so much richness there to pull from and that. It's like the gift of external strife is the gift of internal bliss because that's where you got to get it it only comes from in here yeah i really should spend less time sitting on the couch 
eating fresh chicken and watching no. Netflix. Because I, I, I need some of that in my life. I really do. And probably to drink more water. Um, one, of, one, one of the things I said to myself when I first moved here to this stolen land that we all live in, uh, reap benefits of uh, the unceded lands here, um, was I'd never want to take what nature has given us, the beauty and the bounty of what we have around us uh, for granted. And so my favorite coping strategy during COVID has been my garden. Hmm. Uh, I love in the season, I love growing my own vegetables. We're, I mean, it's, we're self-sustained through the summer with the produce that I pull out of my garden. It's not a big garden, it's very small. And I have a theory that if every single person, every single family in the city or anywhere in the world took off their lawns, that they spend a fortune every year weeding and pe pesticiding and watering mm. and just planted a simple and the the unique thing is i'm not green fingered at all it's um the thing about bc is that you plant something my daughter threw a little plum seed in the in a plum pit in the in the backyard here and we have a plum tree four years later yeah wow it, like everything grows <laughs> so yeah my favorite coping strategy is just growing my own stuff you know, um, eggplant, cucumber, okra. I managed to get some okra a couple of years ago. Um, wow. A whole bunch nice. of herbs. The, yeah. This entire thing of questions has made me very, very hungry. Hungry. <laughs> yeah, very me hungry. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so thank you. Thank you so much for indulging me and uh, for, for answering from your guts because now my gut wants, my gut wants food now. <laughs> um, we are here today because people are suffering in India, um, because the hospitals are overcrowded. If you can get into a hospital, you're not necessarily going to get the care, the medicine, the oxygen, uh, the attention that you need. There are, uh, it can take seven or eight hours in a lot of places to even get an ambulance. And if you get in that ambulance, they will drive around and around to go from hospital to hospital. Uh, and people are dying in those ambulances, in cars. And it is, uh, it's at the private hospitals, it's, it's everywhere, it's every, every level of the economic society. Um, and you know, I'm, I feel very grateful that, that we have raised more than $7,000 today uh, that are, that's going to go and do, to provide aid like immediately on the ground in India, aid that is desperately needed. Um, but I was wondering if, what would you, what would you like people who are gathered here today bearing witness with us to know about what's going on in India right now? Who'd like to start? I think we, 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 we have like, we've been through a pandemic. Everybody has, everybody has their own negative stories and, and, and difficult times that they've all been through. But what you're, what you're so, so you naturally can be empathetic to people who are going through something else during the pandemic, because everybody has their own difficulties. People have lost loved ones. People have had to sit at home for a long time. A lot of stuff has happened. We've clapped every night at seven o'clock for our, our healthcare workers. Yeah. But what we're watching now is an entire country that whatever you have been through, whatever you've seen in your respective country over here in our in our privileged lives where I'm complaining about watching too much Netflix, that we're seeing an entire country's infrastructure, a country that we all need that supplies so much medical supplies to the whole world, uh, yeah. su supplies so much uh, medicine to the entire world. 
um, literally be in a disaster area. So, and not only that, we clapped every night at seven for, for our medical professionals. What about the people in that situation right now? I can't even imagine what they're going through on top of the mess. I don't even want to mention what I've seen in the pictures because I, I just, it's, I don't want to. We've all seen it. It's, it's not, it's awful. It's untenable. And so like today when we're doing stuff like this, it matters because you might, everybody might think $20 is nothing, but if everybody pitches in $20, if we do $7,000, another thing does this, another thing does this. It's about when something like this, and we feel empathy for when it happens, we have to rise to the moment of it. Because it's so easy during these things to become so sad that you're apathetic, but we can't, we don't, we have, don't have the luxury of apathy. So, all that stuff that's going over there right now, think about what you've been through and then use that empathy to do something, whatever it may be, to do something. Yeah. Wow. India of borders is also so ugly. You know, I think we, we, we're not going to go back, hopefully, we don't go back to a world that we used to be, but I mm-hmm. think we have to change our mindset as to the type of world we want to create. And Orders are mm-hmm. ugly. The fact that some countries get vaccines like that and they're throwing them out because there's not enough people coming to get them and yeah. other countries are like suffering. It's that we can't, we can't live like that anymore if we actually want to have a world in another like mm-hmm. few hundred years for our kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think like we just, whether we have family in India or not, like we just, you have to help, like period, you know? Yeah. No, um, No, I was just saying that what Sachin and you have said is so well said. We don't have the luxury of apathy when the healthcare system's on the verge of collapse in India. You know, just last week, I read a story about how 12 patients and a doctor died because they ran out of oxygen for 80 minutes. And so there are some small hospitals in rural areas right now that have no access to oxygen. So they're not letting any new patients in. So there's people dying outside the hospitals trying to get in. And I understand that everyone's burnt out and there's so much going on in the world right now. It's really overwhelming. But I think something that I'm really proud of is the resiliency and spirit of humanity that we all pick up the torch when we can and we lend a helping hand when we have the energy to do that. And that's what's combined all of us today. And to everyone who's watching, thank you. It might feel like a small gesture, but you are going a very, very long way for people you will never know the name of, but, and they'll never know your name, but the impact will be, they got to keep their life. And so I think, um, yeah, I, I'm, tangenting now but i was just echoing what sachin said so we don't have the luxury to be apathetic right now even though i understand because it's it's an exhausting time for everybody in canada included yeah my relatives are uh all my relatives are still there like my my immediate family i'm talking about my mom's sister my mom's uh Mm. my grandma and grandpa um all my cousins um there's only very few people that are in the United States or Canada. Um, so I go to India every two or three years, many ways to visit family. Um, and so does my mom and dad uh, who live in Calgary. Um, and uh, they're, yeah, from, from what I get when I talk to my grandma every day, it's, it's they're locked in their entire building complex is positive right now. And so they're locked in into their, into their home. Um, 
hospitals are overrun, uh, people are dying left, right, and center, doctors are turning down patients left, right, and center. In, an, in a country that was already hard to socially distance just because of the population density, uh, you can imagine mm. the ticking time bomb that's happening there right now. And of course, a lot of the media coverage has been focused on Northern India, but um, uh, South India is, is next right now. And um, the, other, the other issue is uh, the states and, and the communities that have been doing a bit better have functional sort of governments uh, that are doing that things on a grassroots and community level. And I've been doing them since, you know, last summer. Wow. Um, so those are a bit better off. But unfortunately, that's not that's those are exceptions. Those are not the rules in India. Unfortunately, it's a systemic collapse uh, on all sorts of levels. Um, and so obviously right now, because of the timelines, it's hard to fix systemic issues at this moment. We can't change that all when India is literally exploding. And so we, the best thing that we can do as a society and, and as people that are, that are privileged enough to, to have this platform to, and to share our stories and to have food and water and, and uh, be in a country that's, you know, significantly better than, than our home country right now is, is, um, is donating our money and, um, and uh, helping them in, in any way we can. That's the best thing that we can do at this point. And so yeah. uh, thank you for all of you to tune, tuning in. Thank you for uh, your donations. Um, being here it, it all means a lot to us um and uh yeah it certainly hits it's close to home yeah now, we did get a, a question in the chat about recommendations for the best organizations to donate to um and i began my journey by uh using the whatsapp group to ask my buas in mumbai about and it's happy birthday Majubua. If you're watching this, it went like the middle of the Happy night. Birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> but uh, uh, so, you know, because I wanted I wanted to support organizations that did not um, that weren't politicized in, in ways like in the way that they would be, you know, being um, they, that they were governmental. I wanted charities that have been doing work on the ground for the people that there wasn't going to be a lot of red tape. Um, and so she she was the one who uh, pointed me in the direction of Goonge. Uh, and so that is a wonder that is and the charities that I'm going to mention, those are the ones that every single penny uh, from from today uh, is that's where all the funds are going. And Paul's going to drop a link for everybody to see. Uh, there's a link to um, our web page if you want to be to contribute more uh, to be part of that that mass sum of money that we're we're giving uh, to these organizations um, that Paul will drop that into the chat um, he just did ah thank you Paul um, so we're also and thank so, you yeah. Sabrina for making sure 100% of the proceeds from this and all the stuff goes because a lot of what I'm seeing is and you know to, to each everybody's own there are people that are uh, not giving 100% of the proceeds and I think that's a beautiful thing that you're doing yeah, no, it's it's real. It's really, really important. I mean, even you know, so we're have. I've had to learn a lot. <laughs> this week has been a huge learning curve for me. Um, and you know, even just setting up the ticket, the ticketing, <laughs> yeah. and and then the, getting the funds. And there's was like sixty you did a lot cents. Of work. Um, yeah. So every every dollar that or for every order, there's sixty cents that that they that Squarespace takes that goes to Squarespace. Squarespace. I'm keeping track of that, and I am going to cover every single penny wow. that has gone to Squarespace to, to, to make sure that we wow. lose, that everything that everybody's donating is represented. Um, so- You're too good, so, Seb. Ah! Too good. I, I, I just, I, I've been feeling powerless. I mean, that's where this is all kind of started from, right? Over a week ago, watching the yeah. news and being like, there's gotta be more. There's gotta be more that we can do. And look what we have done. We've raised $7,200, you know, in, in just over a week um, for Goonge, which, 
has a long history and it works. What I love about it is it works both in metropolitan and in rural areas, underserved areas, and it works with marginalized populations, including sex workers, in, including, you know, trans transgender people, include, you know, people who are, you know, um, are often kind of, you know, systemically discriminated and unable to access help. Uh, we're donating to Doctors Without Borders to their India Relief campaign. They are setting up 2,000 beds in a field hospital in Mumbai. And uh, and they were also donating to Khalsa Aid International to their COVID relief campaign. They are flying oxygen concentrators into India. Like they like you know they are they are uh, they have an, a main office in England and um, they've been working with Virgin Airlines to get to get the get all that oxygen that they're able to source there over to India. So those those are the organizations that we're supporting. If you want to donate through us. You can you can do so at the um, at the link in the chat, and uh, I see that Dharendra has something that he'd like to say. Yeah, I I just wanted to say you know um, I've been personally affected by this tragedy. I've lost two cousins. Um, my hope was that one day when I take my daughter to India, that she would have been able to connect with them, to find my ancestral side of my, you know, my parental as my paternal ancestral side of my family. That's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, here of extended family that are also pe losing people in, in, uh, every day, dropping like flies. And I also hear of extended family and other cousins who are turning positive, testing positive every day. Um, it's a systemic failure. And this is been created by the system itself, yeah. the pipe, the pipe piper, as I call him, and he's funded a big time by a lot of non-resident Indians who live in North America who are Trump supporters. Everything Trump did is from the page book of this man who is in charge in India. I'm supposed to because he has the same, he's from the same state in Gujarat, in India, which is Gujarat, that my ancestry goes to, I'm supposed to basically bow down to him and idolize him like he's a deity. A lot of my friends that I grew up with in school that I've just reconnected with after 45 years, a lot of people that I know who are rational thinking in every way have been dehumanized following this guy. If you were to listen to some of the people in, on some of these blogs that I belong to, the way they, they, they perceive this situation in India is that there's only one victim, and that is the leader of India. Mm. And the perpetrators of his victimhood are the millions that are dropping like flies and dying every day. That is, that is their perception. They think the West the Western media, everyone is out to just basically see this man fall. And that is not the case. If you can, the, for, for non-Indians, if you can imagine what Trump did through the election, what he's doing now, uh, you know, how basically he completely, Modi doesn't ignore the science, but how he kind of broke the rules, super spreader rallies, all of that. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening in India. 
right? Um, everything that Trump did is what's happening right there, right now. Yeah. You know, uh, it's he basically wants to keep his image and the image of the emerging India up, out, you know, up front. And so what happens on the ground, the country is being sold piece by piece. There's all this money coming in for infrastructure development. All that money is coming from. So you'll have Indians tell you China did this to us. Pakistan did this to us. Muslims are doing that, that to us, you know. Ultimately, all this money that's coming in for infrastructure development is coming from companies that are Chinese, made in, based in Singapore, in Saudi Arabia, in Abu Dhabi. Right? The only people losing out in India are the Indian people right now. Yeah. And it's not just about India. This is a warning. What's happening in India is a warning for every single country in the world. This could happen to us here. It's very because systemically, over the last 40 years or so, every government, no matter who's in power, liberal or Democrat or Republican, have cut back on uh, emergency preparedness. Mm. Right. So that's why. What? Why do we have? A, why are we worried? Being in Canada, why are we worried about not enough beds? Well, because we don't have the resources. All our resources are misplaced. The lobbyists and the multinationals are taking over the planet. You know, why is India the only place that uh, vaccines are being made? Because it's a cheap place where these companies can make the most money, the cheapest, you know, for, for basically spending nothing to get their bottom line and sell it at, you know, 500 fold the price of manufacturing those, those things. So this is a warning call, not just for, from, from an Indian perspective, but for from our own perspective as well. This could happen to us if things don't change. You know, I sound like Bernie Sanders now, but if things don't change and Elizabeth Warren, but that is really what the, you know, and I cannot thank from the bottom of my heart, I cannot thank every single person around the world, enough around the world that has dug deep. Right now, we're all going through a very hard time with COVID. We all have our own um, bills to pay, survive, livelihoods at, at stake. But the fact that you found money, um, you know, to give to this noble cause. My daughter is trying to text me something here. Sorry, she's <laughs> away making, she's away making, uh, um, they have a way, kids have a way to just kind of, you know, bring you back down to earth. She's making her Mother's Day present at a friend's house and she's texting me some stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. I cannot thank you guys enough for the courage, the money, your spirit, your support to help those people there uh, that are just, they have no other, they have, in India, there's no, there's no, Human life is not seen as valuable. I went to India to do a movie. I came back, I lost 15 pounds. I could not eat because the food was so damn hot. Uh, and then on top of that, I could not come to terms with the poverty. Mm. I could not come to terms with, I step out of a palatial hotel that I'm living in and there are people dying on the street. It's just sleeping on the street. That is. That is, people say to me, oh, I want to go to India. Oh, it's such a romantic, oh, the colors, oh, the food. Oh, it's so beautiful. That's 
yeah, that's your fantasy of what is India. India as a place will, it's like the worst emotional meltdown that you can ever have, you know. Uh, there's a book called uh, uh, by Rohintan Mystery, somebody, um, uh, Find Balance. If you ever mm. want to have a virtual mm. experience of what India is like, read that book and then mm. prepare to go to India. Um, but what I'm saying is I just applaud your courage and your, your support. Uh, I thank my daughter for sending me that text so I didn't actually break down into tears. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, this could happen anywhere. This is a warning call. Uh, please support, please give in every way you can, not just here, but in every way you can. And please keep an eye on Indian politics and what's going on over there. There was a time when our vaccines were stopped. Canada stopped getting vaccines. There's a story behind that too. That's perhaps not a good place here, but Justin Trudeau and um, uh, Jagmeet stood up with the farmers of India, the, pro the protest in Thank India gone. And suddenly our vaccines were stopped from, for mm -hmm. over six weeks. And then there was suddenly a moment where there was a meeting and then there was a picture sent on Twitter by all of these supporters of the Pied Piper that said, I'm going to do everything I can to give, you know, vaccines to my buddy, Justin, Justin. There's so many layers to this. Right? There's so many layers to this. Um, I'll, I'll stop there because I don't want I, I don't want this to become, you know, uh, it's about joy, but this is the ugly side of what's it's about humanity and it's about what's going on and um i know that uh sandy for you the the farmers protest has been yes. you know um very close to your heart for a long time now uh so um i saw that you had your hand up. yeah Thirendra, thank you so much for bringing up the farmers protest because i think it's really important i mean one thing i'm really proud about being canadian is when i talk to people in the local community for the most part everybody has heard of the farmers protest. They might not know what's going on, they might not understand it, but almost everyone I speak to at least knows what's going on, which I think is an incredible accomplishment to the capacity of awareness that we, we hold being Canadians. And I think that this country does have a very special quality of, um, you know, we're able to have a lot of compassion in our citizens uh, for humanitarian crises and we have, and there's, there's history of that for generations and generations. So I'm really proud that in Canada, there's at least awareness of this farmer's protest. I think it's really important to acknowledge that the farmer's protest is actually still happening. People might actually think that it's over now because the media has had to shift to the COVID crisis happening in India, but on top of the healthcare system that's on the brink of collapse, we also have the farmers still protesting outside of the country's capital in Delhi. Um, and they're fighting these three agriculture reform bills that in their mind is also a death sentence. So they feel incapable, despite what's happening with COVID, they feel incapable of going back home because in their mind, they won't have a home to go back to if these new laws get put into place. So um, my heart really is going out to India right now because it, it begs a question for me will the future of 
all farmland in India belong to corporations in the new, near future with these new laws? And what will that landscape look like? And what will happen to, I think it's 60% of the population relies on agriculture for work. Mm. What's going to happen to that, to that group of people? And so, you know, it's really overwhelming to think about it, but that is also attached to this crisis that's going on right now. So um, I'm very, very thankful that you brought that up, Thurinda. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. We're in this together. We are. Yeah. And we are. And look, yeah. we're, all, we're all gathered We're all made here. of the same clay. Yeah. And there's power when we come together. You know, there really is. And I think it's important to remember that as a community, when we come together, we really do have the ability to make change, even though it really doesn't feel like you can. I believe that we can. Yep. That's what that's what gets me up and gets me going we every are. day. We are. Thanks to Sabrina, we are. Hundred yeah. percent. Well, thank you. I, we, thank you. We we would not be doing any of this without all of you here today. Um, I do have some audience questions. Uh, and I love them. I think they're great. Um, I think one of them might have come from my daughter, actually, who was watching. So we got Paul doing the behind the scenes stuff there. And I got Mari watching on her iPad uh, in her bedroom. So we're all involved here. Um, okay, so this one is, what is the best thing and the worst thing about being an actor? Rekha, you no. had your hand up. Because well, I, I actually have another Zoom meeting at four and we're 10 to four. So I just wanted to say I might have to, I don't want to curtail anybody else, but. No. Got it. So um, I'm planning, Wait, we gotta, I'm I'm planning a stop at four. I'm planning a stop at four. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have to go, we, we love you and we appreciate you. Um, Can we all just quick wave? My mom just said hi. Hi mom. Hi. hi. My we mom's on too. Job. Hi to our moms. Mom. Happy Mother's hi, Day. Happy Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. Yeah. <laughs> or happy Mother's Day weekend tomorrow, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Indian mom every day so, is Mother's Day. It's true. <laughs> so, the, so the best thing and the worst thing about being an actor is not having a job and having a job. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You've been waiting nice. to say that. <laughs> That's good. That's, That's a good one. That's a good one. Is that the only one, though? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to ask Praneet. Praneet, mm. what is the best thing about being an actor? What is the worst thing about being an actor? You can't use Durendra's answer. No, no. I, I think best thing, <laughs> the best thing about being an actor for me is getting to uh, impact people through uh, stories. You know, um, for me, like when I when I watch them, when I go to the movie theater and I miss movie theater so much. But the biggest reason why is when I go to a movie theater and I watch like the trailers before a movie comes out. And uh, I'm such a movie geek, like I already know all the trailers that are gonna play anyway. So I spend my time looking at like what other people in the theater are thinking because it's the first time they're watching it, you know? And I just Aww. get a kick out of that because it really makes me emotional and it really, it just, you know, that's the, that's the best part of creepy. being an actor. I'm gonna say It's though, a little creepy, I know, I know it's, it's a little creepy. creepy. <laughs> but you know what, it's better than it's being a zero. Especially if you're in the theater at the same time yeah. as Praneet and he's just staring at you <laughs> deep into your he's face. Looking. Yeah. Um, and so, and yeah, and the worst part, I guess, yeah, I mean, soul crushing rejection but apart from that uh yeah it's great uh <laughs> um, yeah that. You know, it's, it's a hard business it's a hard business and and um and i think 
ultimately you know you can't be in it for the fame or the money or anything like that i think you have to really and you can't be waiting for like a big break or anything on any of that stuff you have to really just enjoy the craft and enjoy telling stories and i think uh yeah that that's it okay i i think the best thing is like uh being able to barney said it barney said it pretty good it's like because i watched back to the future going up and that's the movie that made me want to do this because i saw that looks like so much fun i i just can't imagine i can't imagine anything more fun than that so i want to do that and i would like to have fun doing it and have the impact that that had on me to somebody else. Mm. I want to make a back to the future that some kid watches and goes, I can't do anything else with my life. Um, so when you hear stuff that it has impacted people, that's like the best, the worst thing I think, and I think it's something none of, nobody talks about very often is the, the illusion of competition in the industry and what it does to actors themselves. I love actors more than anything, and I love this industry more than anything. But that perception is is being put upon us by other people to make us feel this way, to make us want to act a certain way. It doesn't exist. Mm. It does not exist. You, you you don't get a role because somebody else is supposed to have it, and you're and you're supposed to have something else. The the can you feel like you want more for your life? Absolutely. Can you feel that you want to be better and do good? 100% and therefore those feelings are, are 100% rational and fair, but it has nothing to do with anybody else. And I think that is such an important thing that I want to tell to new actors, come into this with an open heart and an open soul and understand that the things that are supposed to be yours will be yours and the things that aren't, it's totally okay. And and, and it has nothing to do with your, your life and your journey and your role has nothing to do with anybody else. Um, yeah, I guess that's it because I there are so many beautiful people in this industry and I don't want uh, I've seen a lot of people become hunched over over time because of that mm. and it changes their their perception of their life or the way they look at the world and that hurts me because they weren't like that and sometimes this industry the way that it is perceived to us feels like that's what it has to be but it does not. Mm. Competitions right in here. Even when I was yeah. managing a restaurant when I gave up acting I was running a restaurant people would come and say you know about comparing to other restaurants it is all in here really you just do you and then the rest will just fall into place i mean yeah yeah it's don't let people's projections change how you feel about yourself or how you what your journey is precisely yeah precisely um the the other question was about the best advice for young actors uh and i think that we're nailing that one (laughs) (laughs) work hard and be nice to people yeah and and yes. I would say rely on your peers like like uh, it's a collaborative art, art form. Um, we're only as good as the people around us, and and so don't be afraid to like join that Facebook group and make things with your friends. Like don't be afraid yeah. to like call you know your your creative friends up and and like create things and and you know rely on each other. Like it don't you know it's a, it can be a lonely business, but it doesn't have to be. I think I think mm-hmm. as you can see a testament to the people on this panel and stuff. There's obviously a community. There's a network. There's a support system that exists out there. Uh, and tap into that. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people there behind your back to support you. And, and uh, so, yeah, I'd say take advantage of those resources for sure. All these yeah. questions, are, I just want to say all these questions are popping up on the chat from, it says from Direndra. My hands yeah. are free. It's not me. It's my wife, I think. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> okay, so we're going gonna- to... So, Dorandra, what is your okay? So, the last question that we're gonna have today, um, because we're gonna we're gonna wrap it, we're gonna wrap it up, end it on a high note. What is the, and this this leads off of the question that apparently Dorandra didn't ask. But it was totally Dorandra. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> He's like, I'm not. Um, what is a role 
a type of role that you have not yet played, but that you yearn to play? And I want to hear it from all of you. Starting with me? Well, it was you who asked the question. I didn't ask the question. <laughs> I've seen that pop out, pop out every few minutes from the render. I'm like, uh, it's Wait, now you're laughing. Okay, that time I didn't see you type LOL. So maybe that wasn't you. I'm on my right. phone. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, I just, I just play an everyman. Play an everyman. So basically a role that gives me the opportunity to be human. I had, I came very close to that with Jinnah and I'm developing something that is much bigger and different uh, that perhaps will give me that opportunity and many more because it's about the Ugandan expulsion and it's a huge show that mm. I had to put it on the back burner owing to COVID. Uh, there's going to be at least a hundred rules in that if that takes off uh, oh, wow. in the series. But but uh, every man, and it's funny. Somebody once said to me, "You could be, you could have like everyone loves Direndra, you know." And that's the mm -hmm. kind of that's. It's just I want to see our people portrayed as human, yeah. as human as everyone else, everyone else around us. That's all. Not a big ask. Yeah, it isn't a big ask. Anybody else want to say their dream role? I want to hear everybody's. I'm, I'm excited to hear everybody's. Everybody better answer this one. Okay, well, you start then. What's yours? Wah! I don't think, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to give, I, I, there are four for sure. Marty McFly. Uh, <laughs> I love your uh, you did that. A, 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 what? <laughs> do it. Um, uh, a Jedi, a superhero, or a vampire. Yeah. I want to be a vampire too. <laughs> oh, let's do it. Vampires have great style. I was filming. Uh, I'll tell you about this after. I was filming a pilot, and then COVID shut it down. I was making one, oh. uh, and COVID shut it down. So I'll do it. But it's about it's vampires. So if it ever gets oh, if ever gets going, vampire. <clears throat> Done. And you're and you are superhero adjacent because of Smallville. Didn't you say you want to be a superhero? <laughs> and you know what? I actually shook. Superman's hand for the first time when he showed up in Supergirl 2 uh, in, in Supergirl. So I was like, I'm supposed to be with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody else now. Okay, I'm just going to name people. Um, yeah. But I would love to do a biopic. I feel like there's not a Ooh. lot of biopics, South, South Asian biopics out there. And, um, love to do uh, that's a great idea I've never yeah I've never never heard that answer um, there, <laughs> there is a question from somebody who I know is a sanctuary fan Agam is a vampire your favorite abnormal yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> and rice I, I was like obsessed with her books and I just love the way she wrote them and vampires are just the, they're the best <laughs> Indian vampires vampire Oh, <laughs> what about you, Sandy? Sachin, we need to write this. 100%. Yeah, I, I, wheels are spinning. Okay. Yeah. Vampires. Uh, for myself, I'm one of those weird actors where I've never actually had something I've really wanted to play. I love comedy. I love drama. I love sci-fi. Um, 
I don't really, I've never had, like, I really hope I play this role. I just, I, I, I feel like every script that really kind of lights me up, I then want to be a part of that. And then rejection ensues. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't actually have an answer. I would love to do a comedy. Um, I, I love comedies a lot. Yeah, you are funny. Really good. No. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, we're your friends. We know. You're funny. <laughs> Thanks. Telling you. All right, Gil Bobsy. What you got for neat? I too. I want to be like the like a like a coach, like a sports coach, like in like a Coach Carter type <laughs> no. of movie. But like oh, a yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I want to be that cliched, like that that coach that comes into the locker room and gives that inspirational I speech. I, yeah, I love just, it. Just in that suit and tie, I just want to come in and get my boys ready to play the final quarter of their game before they go off. And, <laughs> and I just, I want to be that. I want to be like Coach Coach Akilla. That's the goal. That's the movie. Amazing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be that for sure. And sport, it can be any sport. Basketball, cricket, uh, field hockey. Coach Akilla is already the best name of a TV show I've ever heard. Thank you. Thank you. Where is the financing? Durandra, you got money? Can we, can we get this thing going? I think uh, it's, oh, Durandra, it Durandra's going to play the everyman Kukula. leader. Durandra's going to play the everyman who actually put together the team, put together the coach, ends up having two vampires on it, and it's going to be a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It, write, it writes itself. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. I want that to happen so much. And then you will all come back, and uh, and then we'll have the potluck, and everybody yes. who's watching can join us. Thank you for listening. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by myself, Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Firminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Firminger, Davile for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Find us on all the socials at YVR Screen Scene, on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts for free and at our home on the web at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, The Fish Flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver and Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the Fish Flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's Fish Flight Entertainment dot com.